Welcome back to Execute. Very nice to be here with you all. And I'm answering some great questions in this episode on how to get unstuck and stop overthinking things when you're creating services, how to take back control of a project when it feels like suddenly it's the client who's in control of the process and not you anymore, and knowing how and when to walk away. And I'm also diving into a a great question all around pricing and how to construct really powerful proposals that most importantly, make sure that you get paid. So let's jump in. First question I've got, hi, Katie, loving your podcast, finding it super helpful injection of info. Thank you. Really, really pleased it's valuable. The question is, I'm feeling stuck in crafting mid-tier and lighter touch services, and I don't know why. You've gone on to, to outline the type of service that you want to offer, that you're happy to do so, but you're not sure how to define it and don't want to overpack it. It's feeling really hard to package and price. And are you overthinking this? Yes. <laughs> so you are overthinking this, but let, let me provide something that's maybe a little bit more helpful than that. I think we want to look at what causes us to overthink and to procrastinate. This can be caused by self-doubt, not feeling sure enough of yourself or of your process to actually put something out there. Self-doubt can really, really cause us to stay in thinking, planning, thinking a bit more, but never actually getting anything over the finish line. The, The second thing that could be coming up here is not actually wanting to do it. I know you've said, I don't mind doing this type of work of the service that you've outlined, but it's a really good opportunity to just sense check that with yourself and and really and I'm going to put some specific questions to you that I want you to be thinking about to move you out of this but that would be one area to really look at is just do you actually want to to do this do you care if it gets done or not the next thing is needing more time and space to actually be able to think about this I find it's very very hard to create anything if I don't actually have the space to do the thinking that's required to to get something off the ground. So for me, that means getting away from other people. I need solitude. I need, I love connecting with people, but I also need plenty of time on my own, going for a walk, going for lots of walks, just whatever it is in your day or your routine that means you're going to actually have space to think and ideas to start flowing, that can suddenly completely unlock something. It will just suddenly start flowing. So really create that space. And then the last thing that can really cause us to stay stuck in procrastination is not having enough structure or routine in our days. And this can look like not having a morning routine that really serves us. And I know, you know there's a lot that is said about morning routines and rituals and affirmations and lighting candles and all the stuff. But you do you. You do what really works for you. And I really trust that we all know 
what we need. It's different for all of us. Some of us need movement. I, For me, yoga is my absolute go-to in the morning. Yoga, meditation, my day does not start without those things. But whatever it is you need, if you want to come to the day slowly, if you actually really value sleep and getting an extra hour of sleep and then moving fast in the morning is, is better for you than anything, then do that. But I really encourage you to think about what that routine is going to look like. That means that by the time you've gone through those motions of washing, dressing, getting kids out the door, if you've you've got that, all of the things that your, your morning entails, when it comes to you actually sitting down to create something, you come to it feeling really inspired and in a really good headspace. And the other thing I would add to this is really think about where you're going to do this creation. Sometimes I work really well in a buzzy space, like a cafe or workspace or something like that. But with my headphones on, not talking to anyone, not actually engaging, but just being in a buzzy creative environment that can be really inspiring for me. Other times it's just sitting at my desk and making sure that there's quiet. But I really want you to play around with this and think what's going to serve you and get you into the best frame of mind where you're actually able to create something. Forcing and pushing and feeling, I should, I must, I haven't done this, I need to do it, is rarely conducive to creating anything good. So questions I want you to reflect on. What do you actually want to be doing right now? And that sounds like such an obvious question, but it's actually a really important question. It's really worth checking in and making sure that you actually do want to offer this service, that it serves the season of business that you're in and the season of life that you're in and what life requires of you right now. Also, that it is something that you can genuinely see is going to be of value to your clients. I, you've outlined what the service might be, and so it suggests that there is potentially demand for this, but it's really worth just sense-checking that and, and making sure, is what I'm thinking for this service actually going to solve a problem? We don't want to just randomly pluck offers and services out of thin air. We want to be building on what has worked previously. So where we can see we've solved a problem in the past, where we can see we've really made a difference in our clients' lives, constructing a service around how we have facilitated a transformation, a solution, whatever it is our clients have wanted, constructing the service around that, and then the delivery in a way that feels really good for you and that you know from your experience will actually get the result without overpacking it. We don't want to be including loads of features that don't feel good for you to, to deliver. So for example, if you don't want to do 3D drawings or renders, or if you don't want to do it in person as part of a lighter touch service, don't do it. You know, we want to always have that balance between making sure the service that we're constructing will actually solve the problem that we are setting out to solve, but also not putting in a load of stuff that means we're not going to enjoy delivering it because that will always be felt in our marketing. We also want to just keep it as simple 
as possible. And again, this comes back to giving yourself the space to do the thinking about what this service is. We can get into really overthinking it and overpacking it and making extensive lists of the features that we could or should include. Keep it really, really simple. Be very cognizant of where you're making it more complicated than you need to. It's so much better to do something low, sustainable, light touch, easy to deliver. You can always then, as you're delivering this service, add in other elements, either to surprise and delight your client during the delivery. And they have actually, you know, I've, I've, I've done this render for you because I was producing the 3D anyway, and I wanted you to have it. I thought it would help you to, to visualize it. That's a lovely way to um, add extra value and have your client feeling super happy about the service. And it may be in future, you just build that into the service because you can see it's going to be a benefit to have that layer, that element. But right now, it's so much better just to start, keep it simple, make mistakes. Sure, you know, we're going to put out services and they may not be perfect when we first put them out. That's fine. It's better to do that than to buffer and stall. But there is a lot of power in simplicity. So we want to stop focusing on getting it super right, super perfect. Focus on keeping it simple because a simple service makes it very simple to market. And that's important. We can create a, a fabulous service, but if it's so overpacked and so overcomplicated that we can't actually easily explain it, we're never going to sell it. And I just come back to rather than pushing or feeling like you have to create something, really thinking the space that you need to get yourself into that allows you to think deeply and be able to create from a place of thought and expansion and to connection to what's already happening in your world, the conversations you're having with clients, the the way you're delivering your fuller, more bespoke services, how all of these things will trigger ideas for the service and how that service should then take shape rather than pushing and feeling we have to start with this blank sheet of paper and create something perfect. Just allow yourself the space for the ideas to flow and to start joining those dots together. Often we can think it is so obvious when it comes to the service that we're providing and having to explain it to our client, we get the value that we're going to be providing, but it's not always obvious to our clients. So it really, I always find this whenever I'm creating any new service, I always just start with what is the problem that this is solving? Why does my client need this? What is it that this this service is setting out to do and why is it important? Why is it needed? And then just think if you could break that down into three key value-based outcomes that your client needs. So this isn't about saying, well, they need a floor plan or they need a boot mood board. They need to understand how their, their room is going to take shape before they invest in buying the furniture 
they have to have confidence that it's all going to fit together, for example. Or if it's around colors, then they have to be able to have confidence in the choices that they're making with the color and really have a full roadmap for how the color is going to come together. So it's not just blue on this wall, white on that wall. It's you're delivering a service where they'll have it all done for them. So you will receive all of the walls, all of the woodwork, all of the um, finishes, I'll put this all together so you, for you so you've got total confidence before you buy the paint and so that you can brief your contractor, for example. So it's not just the thing that you're delivering, it's what's the value they're getting? What is the problem that you're solving? And what is the, the way in which you're going to save them money, save them time or save them emotional stress? It's always gonna come back to those things. I hope that's helped. I'm really looking forward to to hearing what you do create with um with asking yourself these questions. Okay. Let me move on to the next question. So there's a couple of questions within this. One's a very um super quick and easy one so I'm going to answer that quickly and then I'll move on to the the bigger part. So the the quick and easy one is have you used Fiverr for finding freelancers? I would like someone to do drawings for me. Yes, I've used Fiverr, not for CAD drawings, but I don't see why it couldn't work. I've used Fiverr to hire all kinds of freelancers for all kinds of services. And my the things I would be setting out for you to consider in part of this is really think about the communication process, particularly with drawings, Think about how you like to design and how you would like to communicate what you may have worked up in sketch or on paper and how you would like to communicate this to a freelancer. Set all of that out in your briefing. So, for example, you might be saying, I will do a hand sketch and I will provide handwritten notes and I will scan and send this to you for you to work up in CAD. Or you might scan something onto your screen and then do a little loom video where you're walking them through the design and all the things that you need them to work up. Think about what's going to work for you, what you're going to find works for your creativity and your process, but be super clear about it before you start working with the person so that you know that they are on board with the process. Obviously, with Fiverr, you have fantastic people all over the world. So if it's going to be a, a process in which you have to be able to communicate in English, make sure their English is exceptional so that you're able to do that clearly. The other couple of things would be very clear expectations on them. So when you need drawings back, the timelines around this, from when you submit something to them, the the time in which you would expect it to be returned back to you. And then the other thing would be payment milestones. So a bit like the way you're invoicing your clients, I would absolutely be setting out staged payments for any kind of work like this. You will probably, Fiverr, you will often just have people who charge by the hour. You'll also have somebody providing a fixed fee per deliverable, whatever it is. So it's really important that you're clear on that. And 
I've always found when I've hired anybody in this way that if I set the the arrangement from the start, it's for them to agree to that rather than allowing them to dictate their terms and me having to go along with that. So this is about you writing a really clear brief, how you're going to communicate, what your expectations are, and how you will make payment, the different stages on which you would make payment, and whether this is going to be on per project or per drawing or per stage of work. So give yourself the space to think that through, but I don't see any reason why it couldn't or wouldn't work. And I have absolutely found fantastic people on Fiverr. And I know others here listening to this episode have also done so. So go for it. The the second question is around the scheduling of fees as set out in a client proposal. So the question is, I'm finding that all of the different phases, so brief and concept design, then segues quickly into design development. And I'm not quite sure when to send the invoice. I feel that I haven't yet done quite enough work in the first phase to then say, well, now can you make a payment because we're we're in phase two. So I've got a few thoughts on this. The first is that, as you guys know, I've just launched The Charge, which is a deep dive into money and pricing. And this is where we look so much deeper at both the strategy and the mindset around a value-based pricing strategy. And also all the different things, the different blocks that are getting in your way of getting paid. So two things come up for me in your question here. One is a a practical question around just structuring the process and the, the payment schedule. The second is a mindset one about getting into to doubt and worrying that you've not done enough work to justify raising an invoice. We always want to be working with both parts and inside the charge, it is a much, much deeper dive than we did inside Aligned for Growth into money and pricing. For you guys here, It is very much an opportunity to refine the work that you've already begun around creating what your money goal is going to be for the business, your minimum level of engagement for any full bespoke projects, and to really lean in and further expand your comfort zone. So this could be about refining your process, like you're asking in the question here, or it could be stretching your comfort zone and asking, what's my next level? So you may have come up with a minimum level of engagement based on work that we've done previously, but it may be time to revisit this. You may have done that work several months ago now, and it's actually you're you're several months more expert than you were then. You're several months more confident. It's time to actually revisit what this might look like. All of the trainings inside the charge are brand new, They share exactly how to structure proposals in a way I'm giving you the the key considerations and things to think about that I can see almost trip us up at different stages of the process. So, for example, 
concept design, you've mentioned in your question, I feel like I moved through this stage quite quickly. I think this can be a really common um, misconception at this stage that it is quite a quick process. It won't take too long. We shouldn't ask for too much more, too much money up front because that way the client is more likely to say yes to the proposal overall. So I'm going to walk you through all the different things to consider when you're structuring your proposals and the different ways that we can really embed and communicate to our client the value at each stage of the process. The other thing that we're doing that is is different to anything that we did inside the Align for Growth modules is creating a very simple and powerful approach to managing the money inside your business. So we're going to build on the concepts that some of you I know are leaning into inside Profit First, and I'm giving you an actual system as to how you can start embedding Profit First in your business. It's the same system I use in my business. And we're going to really go deep into money mindset and start dismantling whatever ceilings you've been subconsciously placing on how much your services are worth, how much you're willing or able to receive and earn for your services. We go much deeper into procurement, trade discounts, referral commissions, charging for pre-project ideas, costing for mid-project changes, big changes, small changes. And we, we really look at your role as the leader of the business and how you can use this information to, to progress your business and to make really empowered leadership decisions. So everybody inside Execute, I know that the charge would be a fantastic step for you. You should have received an email with a discount code. If for any reason you haven't got that, drop us a, a line because that is available to you because you've already begun this work. It's going to build on that. And you're all super valued clients. So we want to give you um, an incentive towards this next step and supporting you in this way. <clears throat> In, with the money and pricing work, which is so, so important to your business. The next thing I'll just say on this is coming back to your point around, I don't feel like I've done enough to warrant getting the invoice out and moving into phase two and, and raising the payment. We have to be very clear and structured and non-emotional about when it's time to send the invoice. We don't want to feel if it's the right time. It either is the right time or isn't the right time. So this may mean doing the work to refine your phasing, but whatever you've communicated to the client, if it's time to send the invoice, you send the invoice. And not only because that's great for your cash flow, but because believe it or not, your client wants to spend the money because them spending the money means that the project is moving forward. No client, and I can tell you this with absolute certainty as someone stuck mid-renovation project, no client wants their project to go on longer. They want that sense of progress and moving through and paying you money represents progress. Also, 
they have probably budgeted, they've probably set aside money, they might have a separate bank account or a pot of money they're holding somewhere. They don't want to be looking at that and thinking that they've got a certain amount of money, but then realize they still got to pay you way more than they'd realize they would because you've been sitting and holding back on invoicing. They want to be moving that money so that they're always in a current position, looking at that money and realizing how much they still have available to spend on the project. So set a payment schedule. There is an opportunity to refine what you're doing. We can absolutely do this inside the charge, but whatever you go with, send your invoices on time. Be very black and white about it, non-emotional about raising those invoices. Get yourself paid. Okay, let me move on to the next question, which we've we've actually got um, two questions here. Well, one, two, two designers asking questions, <laughs> let me say, but all are actually to do with essentially being polite and tactful with clients to suggest either a reset or, hey, we're done here it's time to wrap this up. So I'm gonna kind of talk around these um, in, the same, in the same questions and the same answer. So first, first question is, what is a firm and effective way, while still being polite and tactful, very nice, to suggest and deliver on a reset with a client? I feel I'm in a situation where I'm no longer leading the client. One project, I have an existing client asking me to finish a few items in designs that have been done by others in another house. We've been going round and round trying to select fabrics for one chair, must have suggested, oh my God, 50 options, soul destroying and inefficient. Yes, I hear you. I suspect the issue is that the client doesn't actually like the room, how it's decorated. And so we're trying to add another element to something that they already don't love. I've been hesitating suggesting a redesign of the room as I want to avoid small projects that take loads of time, but should I just find the best compromise and move on? Okay, let me answer this specific project and then we can look at the other cases. I think with anything to do with being firm and effective whilst being polite and tactful, it all comes down to communication. You can't really over communicate with clients. And to be honest, the way that you've set out this question to me is kind of the perfect way you that you could say it to them. Everything you've communicated to me, this is soul destroying and inefficient you can absolutely say that to your client. You're a beautiful, beautiful designer. You do not want to be going around in circles, finding 50 options for one chair. I hope they don't want that either. But what you've, you've tuned into, which, you know, I, I very much trust your judgment on this. I think as interior designers, we do feel emotion and feel clients situations in a very perceptive way I think that ability to tune into a space and feel space and feel what a, a room or a property needs 
also really it's the same quality that allows us to tune into a client and what they're feeling and what they need and what the real problem is and I think there's a very good chance that you've hit the nail on the head that actually nothing's going to work because the other designs don't work the client's not happy and I don't see any reason at all to not gently and empathetically raise this with the client and just say hey I'm just wondering, and I, you know, frame it. I think the tactful way is is rather than saying you don't seem to like any of this. We want to avoid using you. I've always found, you know, just curiosity is a really good way of doing it. So I'm just wondering if you're feeling happy with how the rest of the room has come together. I'm just curious as to how you feel about the whole room. I'm just curious as to how you're feeling about the work that's been done. If you can just tell me more about that, that's gonna help us decide where to go from here. So you can keep it very loose and very open and just let them talk. And I think bringing that empathy and showing a willingness to be collaborative and that you actually do understand what's going on here is going to make them feel comfortable in in opening up you've got a potential upsell opportunity here because actually what you're describing is potentially more work than just finding a fabric for a chair but if you absolutely don't want to do this because coming back to the very first question if it doesn't fit the season of business you're in or the season of life that you're in or the kinds of work that you want to be focused on right now don't do it you know, like you can just say this is soul destroying and inefficient and I don't think it's a great use of my time or yours. Why don't you, you know, why don't we just hit pause, leave it for six months and then we can circle back and see how you're doing. You can always give your observation on what you think is really going on, but still say, you know, sit with that for a bit and then let's let's circle back. But Potentially, I would be looking at offering this as a bigger piece of work to really get it right and pricing that properly. You know, you've you've said, I, I want to avoid small projects that take loads of time. My question for you is, do you want to avoid small projects that take loads of time if they are well compensated for the time and involvement that you're going to have? Sometimes we can think small project has to equal low fee. As long as you're explaining to the client that the approach you take is extremely considered, is going to involve a lot of time simply because of the nature of the design, and that's going to come at a price. And then you're inviting them to say, actually, yes, I, I, I would really like your help on this. Come back to what this client really wants and really values it's probably not the fabric for a chair. It is the feeling that that room doesn't have that they desperately want it to have. It's a way deeper emotion than simply picking some things out for the surface. So once you can tune into that, that's the value that you're pricing on this. The second scenario is on a larger project where you've mentioned we're halfway through the program with the builder, kitchens, bathrooms, all designed. But when it comes to the decorative stuff, the client is a couple. They're not aligned in their taste. And so we're wasting a lot of time and energy making suggestions, which then get rejected by one or other. There's some family politics in the background. Everyone has an opinion. 
they're trying to please everyone and not themselves. Your specific question, which is a is a very pertinent one, is would it seem like a backward step to revisit a concept stage and go from there? No, <laughs> to give you a straight answer. But again, I think this is about communication. I think you've really tuned into what actually needs to happen. Remember, you are the expert here. You can see what's going on in this project. You can see what's not working about it. So now this is about not just being the expert designer, but being the expert leader of your clients and having that conversation, which is, hey, this isn't working. We're wasting time and energy because we're suggesting things and it's it's not fitting. My suggestion is that we go back and we do the concept work together. And through that process, you can really start to tease out who is going to make the decision on this. And, you know, sometimes it can feel a bit like marriage counseling or something where you're you're teasing out from a couple who ultimately is going to have the final say. If there is a a disagreement over that color or that carpet or whatever, who ultimately is going to make the decision? Because it's not serving anybody, least of all their budget, to be going around in circles and not making a decision. So it's it's just gently guiding them towards that and bringing your expertise to say, this is how a project will work. Sounds obvious, but a project works when decisions get made and we get to get on with the work and, and install all the lovely things so you can get out of the project and get on with your lives in your lovely home. This is the problem that's that's coming up. This is my recommendation. So you're prescribing a solution for what needs to happen. And then you're inviting them. Would Would that feel good for you? Does that feel like it would be helpful and aligned. And if they say, no, 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 we just want to get on, then it's okay, well, then how are we going to make decisions? How do you, how how would you like to make decisions? Somebody's going to have to take the decisions. Otherwise we're going to start you know, charging for all of the additional work that we're doing. So, and I think it just comes back to that desire. The reason I'm suggesting this backward step is so that we get to something that's ultimately better and more aligned for you than just trying to push on and it feeling hard. So you're explaining the value to them of doing that backward step and that, yes, of course, there's going to be a cost for that, but ultimately it's going to lead to something that is better and feels more a reflection of them and their personalities in their home and anybody else who needs to be taken into account with children and and so on in the background. But this is really your invitation to step back into being the expert, not being the hired help to just take all of the decisions or non-decisions that are thrown at you. You are leading this process. So in both of these situations that you've outlined, it starts with a conversation and it isn't a bolt on to the end of a site meeting. Oh, hey, by the way, I just wanted to mention this. It's it's positioned very clearly as a, hey, we're coming up against some challenges in how this project's going. I'd love to have a chat to you both or you, whichever, you know, one, two, whoever it is about what we're coming up against and how I think we can 
resolve it. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. So you, you very clearly frame what that conversation is. Cool. I hope that is helpful. That leads me right into the next question, which is around projects that have dragged on. The question is, before working with you, Katie, and Aligned for Growth, I had some single or multiple room projects that have dragged on. It was a lot to do with me not setting clear finish dates and not clearly communicating. This isn't something I'm going to be doing going forward, but essentially how do I close this down now and get paid without causing upset? So following on from what I was just saying in the previous answer, this is about calling a conversation where you're you're recognizing we're at the end of a project we're at the end of a process let's have a conversation now about the best way to wrap things up and again you guys all know my favorite magic words so that you can so we always want to be framing the benefit for the client let's have a conversation about wrapping this up so that you can get on and enjoy your room be rid of the contractors, be out of the design process, stop spending money, whatever the benefit is going to be to them. But you want to frame the conversation as it needs to be a, a proper conversation. I think revisiting the scope is always helpful. Sometimes we think that the clients are fully aware of the scope and are just trying to get as much as they can for free on the end. That may be the case, but often I think they've just forgotten what was included and what wasn't. And they can now see things that they hadn't originally seen at the beginning that they would like to be done. And so there's these things coming up now saying, oh, and could you just do this? And could we just look at that? You know, it's all out of scope. They may have forgotten or not realized. So it's definitely the case that we want to have a clear communication about this. Before you do anything else, you want to invoice for anything that is owed for the scope that you've done. If you're at the end of that, if the project is finished and you've finished your work, then it's about reminding them of that. Hey, we're at this stage of the project. This is a great time to just check in and see where we're at. I know that you've got other things that you'd like to do really happy to look at those things with you if you are. But first, let's just check in and make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of the original brief. That's your opportunity to then say, cool, so we've we've finished everything. Look, we've ticked off stages one, two, and three, whatever. I'm going to invoice now, my, my final invoice, now this work is complete. Anything else that you would like doing, let's make a list. Let's get everything down and then I will come back to you with a proposal for getting everything finished off if there are additional things that they still want. If not, and if it's genuinely just dragging on because they're just still asking questions, then it's simply a case of reminding them of the scope, reminding them that the work is now complete. And again, like we were saying in the previous question, raising the invoice not letting the mental drama get in the way and thinking oh but they're going to, they're going to be upset with me this this is a very um old 
trigger I'm feeling this they're going to be upset with me sometimes we can have these these beliefs come up from a place of being a really small child when somebody is upset with us somebody you know could be a parent or a caregiver or a teacher or a sibling or somebody's upset and it feels very worrying and very uncomfortable and it may not even be for any hugely significant reason, but because we're so small, it feels hugely significant. Every time then anybody is ever upset with us going forward, we we rub on the same wound and it gets deeper and deeper. And the groove, that pattern that we're creating in our minds just becomes deeper and deeper. And it becomes such a well-worn groove in our mind, this somebody being upset with us. But actually, if we zoom out and look at this situation, I could look at your question with face value and think, why would your clients be upset? You know, you've you've delivered the work, you've finished the, the project, and now it's time to get paid and let them get on with their lives. Why would they be upset? So it it can be really helpful to just create that space between you and the the mental drama and remind yourself that this is about providing a service and a very, very simple tip here for doing this. But I always think if you just need to zoom out and get perspective on something, get outside and look at the sky. Just even if you just sit outside your back door or go for a walk you know, the, the more sky you can see, the better. But if you just look up at the sky, it just makes everything seem so much smaller and so much less confronting. So allow yourself, give yourself the space to do that. And then just zoom out and see, you know, this project is finished. There is no reason for this client to be upset. If you do have a client who is kind of tricky and they might be a bit tricky and they might get upset with you, if you do have that situation, then we just go back to very, very clear communication. But actually, again, the, the theme that's coming through all of these questions is this is your invitation to lead your client. This is your, your invitation to not just have been the deliverer of a service and the expert in doing the interior design work. It's your opportunity to be the expert communicator, the expert leader of your clients. So I will end it there. I hope that I've answered your questions in a way that's been helpful, not just for you guys who ask these questions, but for everybody listening. I think one of the beautiful things about some of the questions that that I get here is that the themes weave across so many things that all of us are <clears throat> are experiencing. So I hope it's been helpful in providing the, the answers. <laughs> Excuse me. I have really enjoyed spending this time with you here. Keep submitting your questions. These have been fantastic ones, really punchy, really powerful. It's allowed me to give you really punchy, powerful and straight answers. Any questions, any feedback, any thoughts on these episodes, I absolutely love getting your feedback. I love hearing what's valuable. I love knowing what's serving you. Any questions you've got about the charge and whether that's going to be the right next step for you, feel free to reach out. You can email me. You've all got my email address. You can send me a DM. I'm really happy to answer your questions. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. <laughs>